Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. So good to be in church and so good to be able to uh, just gather together to worship and then to be able to go to the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn with me to a, a, an Old Testament uh, scripture. We're going to look at uh, Exodus 15 and verse 22. Just had a moment of crisis. My iPad, don't know what it was doing. It was updating. Can you believe it was updating during the worship? <laughs> Seriously. For goodness sake, man. <laughs> Uh, but it's all good. We're back online, so, you know, amen. Amen. Exodus 15, verse 22. The Bible says this, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, uh, they could not drink its water because its it, water was bitter. It's why the place is called Mara, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses. I, I love that. I love that. Um, no, I don't love it. I'm just saying it's interesting that it's in the scripture. <laughs> um, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became fit to drink. And then there the Lord issued a ruling, an instruction for them, and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought you on the I brought on the Egypt, Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Great scripture. And then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Um, it, the place now is called Hawaii. All right, so just in case you're wondering, that's, that's where it is right now. That's right, Father. I just thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy and I thank you for the spirit of God that is present and whenever the spirit of God is present Father you're able to move amongst us and that's our prayer today let this word become a revelation in our hearts that uh, motivates us uh, to act according to your will and to your principles just love you so much let there be freedom to speak to receive the word bind every spirit of fear and intimidation and Father, let there be a, 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 a spirit of revelation to understand your word. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you will speak. Our lives will be changed because of what happens here today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I want to begin a new series entitled Freedom. One of the things that we all experience in life is wounds and hurts and negative situations, negative circumstances, and these negative experiences can affect us deeply. Um, uh, they can affect how we think, they can affect how we feel, uh, they can affect how we relate to people, uh, how we, uh, the relationships, the significant relationships in our lives, uh, the decisions that we make, uh, they can rob us of peace, they can rob us of joy. The things we grow, go through in life, the the challenges, the wounds, the, uh, the hurts that we experience, uh, negative, negative experiences, trauma, have this capacity not only to affect us at the time, but also to influence 
what happens next in our lives. We start to see life through the lens of some of those negative experiences that we've had in life. The good news is that one of the reasons why Jesus came was to set us free. Can I hear an amen somewhere? That one of the reasons why Jesus came is so that we could experience freedom in the name of Jesus, by his grace and for his glory. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he declared his manifesto of ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How many people know that there's more than one way that we can be poor? How many people know that? We can be physically poor, financially poor, but we can also be emotionally poor and spiritually poor. And I believe more than ever, Jesus, yes, he was speaking to the reality that there were some poor people. But, you know, I know uh, that we're living in a world today where there's a lot of rich people, especially in Western countries. We would be regarded as, as, as wealthy compared to the rest of the world, but there's still a poverty in our, in, in, in our world that we're living in. You know, we can, there's more than one way that we can be in a prison. There's more than one way that we can be blind. We can see with our eyes, but, but not see any hope and not see a way out of the situation. And then we can be oppressed. Jesus said one of the reasons why he came was to set people free by his grace and for his glory. Freedom is not just a, a, a nice thought. It can become a reality in our lives. Some people might say, well, why do we need healing? Why do we need freedom as Christians if we have Jesus? Don't we get everything that we need when we, when we come to Christ? Don't we get freedom when we're saved? Well, here's the thing. When we get saved, we get Jesus, but we need to grow into our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We grow into faith. We, there, there's, a, there's a sense where we are saved. We are saved the day we give our life to Jesus Christ, the day we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the way we, the, the time we pray a simple prayer that says, Lord, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. You can do that even right now. Uh, so we are saved, but then there's a sense where we are being saved. We are, we are becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. We have Jesus in our life. And then in a sense, we are that, that Jesus is outworked into every area of our mind and our heart and our spirit. We are being saved. The Bible refers to that as the process of sanctification. And then one day we shall be saved. Uh, when we enter into glory, it's going to be amazing. Perfect in heaven. Amen. How many people are glad about that? No stress. No anxiety, no cholesterol. Come on, come on, stay with me here on this one here. You know, who cares about diabetes? Eat all the sugar you want and enjoy life. I just pray the cooks in heaven are going to be Italian. That's all. Just putting it out there. I don't mind a bit of Asian. I don't mind. Love a bit of Asian, but uh, amen. Last thing we want is the Germans to be cooking. Or the... Or the British. Oh, oh, that's terrible. Sorry. 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 No offense. No, 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 no. The British are good at other things. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Let's get back to the sermon. We need to appropriate by faith fundamental mistakes. <laughs> uh, we need to appropriate by faith what Jesus came to do in our lives. Jesus said, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Once you know the truth, truth is going to set you free, which means the opposite is also true, that, that we can be bound by a lie. That if we believe a lie, we can be bound. That if we convinced ourselves of something that is not true or consistent with Scripture, then it can keep us bound. But you shall know the truth, and the truth is going to get set you free. Behind a lot of uh, mental health stuff are lies. Um, and what good psychologists, Christian psychologists, what they'll do is try and unravel some of those lies so that you can experience uh, freedom from that. You know, the Bible talks about uh, in Corinthians, it says, uh, you know, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. And, and I, I, I love that scripture because it says what, what happens is we believe the lie, but when we, when we grab a hold of that, of that thought and we make it obedient to the principles of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word, it has the capacity to set us free. Now, notice the preceding verse to this one. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. In other words, if you know my teaching, if you believe my teaching, if you apply my word, then you will know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. So many of us can be saved and, and yet still be bound by issues of the past and habits and wounds and attitudes. And Jesus was saying to those who believed and to us this morning, when you know the truth, come to understand the truth about God and about yourself, that truth will make you free. And there's a sense where that whole process is going to be a lifelong journey. That, you know, that just as you get through one thing, then there's something else and something else. It's the process of sanctification. It's what we will go through in life. The enemy wants to keep us bound. Jesus came to set us free. That's what I want to speak about in this series. And this morning, what I want to focus on in particular is healing from bitterness. Bitterness is defined as anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. It's, it's, it's anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. The consequence of that is you start to feel this yucky feeling inside of you called bitterness. Bitterness comes from a family of words, got a few cousins like resentment, anger, heartbreak, wounded, sorrow, re revenge, ooh, and injustice. There's those kind of words that are kind of related to bitterness. Hebrews says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And many people know that with some people it takes a little more effort to live in peace, isn't it? And to be, you're in church, be careful. And to be holy, without holiness, no one will see, to, see the Lord. See to it that none falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Be careful. Uh, don't let a bitter root grow up inside of you because it's going to cause a lot of trouble. I like the way the Passion Translation says it. It says, and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. It's not just going to affect your life. It's not just going to poison your heart, bitterness is. It's also going to poison the hearts of other people around you. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, make sure you don't give space to that seed of bitterness because it's going to destroy you. question for us this morning is, well, how do we deal with bitterness? How do we get freedom from bitterness? How do we deal with the bitter situations in our lives? To help us unpack this topic, 
I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament. And just, just before I do that, I just kind of ex- uh, uh, understand that in a congregation like this, you know, bitterness is not just bitterness. It's, bitterness is not just something that's in one category. There are, there are levels of bitterness. You know, some people may feel bitter because, you know, someone unfriended you on social media. You're all cut up because someone unfollowed you. That's one form of bitterness. You can also experience bitterness when someone says something to you that really hurts you. It's another form of bitterness. Sometimes we can experience bitterness not because of what people have said or done, but because of what we've done. We can, we can experience bitterness. And then there's the, the deep, uh, entrenched bitterness in our spirit because of something that's happened, stuff you know, upbringing, stuff that's, you know, wound its way into our life. It's a deep-rooted bitterness in our spirit. So when I'm speaking about bitterness, I'm speaking about all these levels, but I want us to understand that there's different levels of this and how we experience that. So let's go to the story in the Bible. We read the story in our text. The context is the people of Israel just been freed from Egypt. You'll remember the story. Uh, there's the 10 plagues, parting of the Red Sea. Uh, Egyptian army, you know, completely defeated. And when they crossed over to the other side, they were singing songs, rejoicing. Tambourines are out, and, and they're singing. There's a song, I will sing unto the Lord for he has... How many people remember that song? Uh, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to. Um, and God had done some amazing things. The people were happy. They, can you just imagine 400 years in captivity, and, then, and they saw miracle after miracle after miracle, 10 in a row, and then the crescendo it was building up to, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, the army and uh, coming in, and, and they're all free. Now they're on the other side. And just an amazing party lasted for three days. And then things started to go south. They were thirsty, couldn't find any water. And you do, when that happens, you just do what you need to do, and they grumbled against Moses. Grumble, grumble, grumble. So Moses prays to God. God shows him a piece of wood, throws the water, throws it into the water, and the water was healed. So what do we learn from this story? Number one, the first thing the story teaches us is about a place called Marah. And Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink it because the water was bitter. Some stage in our lives, all of us will find ourselves at a place called Mara, a place where our hearts become bitter, resentful, hard, wounded, hurt, angry. Um, Naomi said after her husband and uh, sons had died, she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life bitter, bitter. All of us will face situations in life that can, that can cause us to become bitter either because of things people say, do, and so on and so on, the list I gave before. The things that happen to us, stuff that happens in life, the negative situations of the life have this capacity to begin to make us bitter in our hearts and in our lives. All of us have the potential in life for that seed of bitterness to be planted into our spirit and then for it to start to grow, take root, take root deeply into our lives, 
and not only do that, but then begin to poison the hearts of many. I believe that one of the enemy's weapons to destroy relationships and poison hearts is bitterness. I believe it's one of the weapons of the enemy. The the enemy has a whole bunch of weapons that he uses to come against us. One of those weapons is the weapon of bitterness. God wants us to love. The enemy wants to kill love. He wants to kill intimacy in relationships. He's going to use bitterness to cause us to come against each other. God wants us to to grow in trust. The enemy wants to steal trust and leave us bitter. Question, no, I don't know if I can really trust you. The last person I trusted really hurt me, so I'm not going to trust anybody else in life. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to rob us of the joy of intimate and close friendships and relationships. God wants to unite us. The enemy wants to divide us. Can I hear an amen? Come on, church. God wants to unite us. The enemy wants to divide us. Even the enemy understands the power of unity. The enemy's read the Bible. He's read Psalm 133. How blessed it is with brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. On there, God says, I will command my blessing. The enemy knows the scriptures and he believes the word of God. And so what is he going to do? He's going he's to sow seeds of bitterness. They're just seeds. He's going to sow them into our hearts and lives. If we're not careful, those seeds are going to start to take root in our lives. It's interesting that Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But if the water in our hearts is bitter, if the water is resentful, if the water in our hearts is is wounded and angry and poisonous, then that's what's going to flow through our lives. Jesus also said a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you want to know what's inside of a person's heart, he better still, if you want to know what's inside of your heart, take and notice the words that come out of your mouth. Notice the thoughts that you think and notice the words that come out of your mouth. The heart is filled with bitterness. And that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If your heart is toxic, if your heart is filled with toxicity, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. How many people know what I'm saying is true? This is true. You meet with some people, they're always negative. Always see the negative side of things. Always see just stuff. I didn't see any of that. It's amazing. Why is that? Because that's what's inside of their hearts. All of us. At some point in life, we'll find ourselves at a place called Mara, a place where we need to deal with the hurtful situations, wounds, the bitterness towards people, parents, friends, life, stuff. Here's the thing. It's not so much the bitterness, but what we do with it. It's never about the situations that happen to us. It's always about what we do next that matters. Craig Rochelle says, We can't control what people do, but we can control how we respond. We can't control what people do, but we can always control how we respond. We can always control ourselves. So the question then becomes, well, then how should we respond when we find ourselves at a place called Mara, a place of bitterness? Well, notice what Moses did when he found himself at a place called Mara. The Bible says, then Moses cried out to the Lord. What do we do? We cry out to the Lord. 
greatest thing that we can do when we find ourselves uh, in a bitter situation is begin to present it to the Lord. David said, in my, in my distress, I called to the Lord. When I was distressed, when I didn't know what to do, when stuff was happening, what did I do? I cried out to the Lord. I began to pour out my heart to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I want to tell you, whatever it is you're going through, you've heard me say it many times, I'm going to keep on saying it. Whatever it is you're going through, the answer is to be found in the presence of God. There's many reasons why we go through stuff. One of the reasons, one of the reasons in whatever it is that we're going through, it's always to deepen our relationship with God. And the greatest thing that we can do is come into the presence of God and get to know God who's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, you hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the cry, to my cry for mercy. Lord, you hear my voice. I cry to you. Job said, therefore, I'm not going to keep silent. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to keep it all inside of me. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And who's he complaining to? He's complaining. He's pouring out his heart to God. He's pouring out his heart to God. God is the God who understands what no one understands. God is the God who sees what no one sees. God is the God who is sovereign. He's in control. He's not unaware of what we are going through. He knows exactly what's happened. He knows exactly everything in our hearts. And, and I think when we don't understand anything, we, we don't know what to do. When we don't know what's going on, the best thing that we can do is take a couple of steps back and say, oh God, I just, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Way out, the way we deal with bitterness is the same way we deal with hurts and wounds in our lives. First thing that we need to do is acknowledge that they exist. It's the, it's the first step. It sounds weird. Pastor Joe, you're sure about this? The first thing that we need to do is acknowledge that they exist. I feel hurt and I feel upset. I feel angry. It's not bury, it's not hide, it's not deny, it's not excuse. It's an acknowledgement to yourself. There's something not right here. You've heard me say before, you know, it's the red light on these emotions are not bad. They're not sinful. Uh, they're, they're not bad emotions that we need to squash and get rid of. They are, they are emotions that are advising us of something. It's the red light on your dashboard that's saying something's not right here and you need to acknowledge it. It's to say something like this, this happened to me and it hurts. It's not, it's not, well, I've got to tell, you know, I'll come back to that in a second. But the first step is acknowledge this to yourself. They said this and it really upset me. They did this and it really hurt me. It's the first step. And when we acknowledge the wound or the pain, and then secondly, we find a way to release those emotions in a safe place, in a wise place, in a, in a healthy place. Uh, we can speak to people. My recommendation was always speak to other Christians. People that you know that have loved God, have a great walk with God. Be careful who you get advice from. <laughs> Be careful who you pour out your heart to. You need to do it, but don't just do it with anybody. You don't go to someone who's bitter to pour out your heart about bitterness. Because you know what you're going to get, don't you? 
Yeah, I agree with you. You got to smash them. Here's the that's right. Let's just go for it. Come on, I'm I'm on your side. Do you want me to sign a petition? Because I'm ready to sign a petition. Will you sign mine as well? And if you don't do that, you go to someone who was bitter and has overcome it in the name of Jesus. That's the person you get help from. Be careful who you get your advice from. Bad company corrupts good character. I used to say, get your advice from Christians, but even then there's all kinds of brands and flavors. Get your, some, get your help from someone who is godly, someone who loves God. That's why the church exists. That's why God has placed leaders within the context of the church. One of the reasons why the church exists is to protect you, protect us. It protects me. Pastor, I don't know if I should talk to them or not. They're, they're, ask us as a leadership team. We'll help you. We'll guide you. We will guide you. Don't just talk to anybody. Is that okay? We can speak to people, and I believe very strongly in it. The Bible says we're encouraged to, 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 we're called to encourage one another. That's why the church exists. We acknowledge the wound, and then we express our pain, we express our emotions. And we can express it to others. It is important that we do that. Uh, um, but the greatest place where we can express our pain is in the presence of God. We do it because it's in, the, it's in the presence of God that God begins to say, do this or do that or speak to this person or speak to the other person. It's to come before God and tell God exactly how we feel. It's beautiful. In the place of Mara, Moses cries out to God. I just love it. In, it when it's you and God, God is not shocked by what we're going through. Read the Psalms and it, it teaches us how to pray. It teaches us how to pour out our hearts before God. Lord, they said this the other day. It's making me feel so angry. I feel so angry about it. I feel so angry about what happened 30 years ago. I feel so angry about the family. I feel so angry about this, the work. I feel so angry. Pour your heart out in the presence of God. It's the safest place to do it. All throughout the Bible, you'll see men and women who, who just did just that. Joseph, David, Asaph, Habakkuk, and the rest. Jesus himself cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a prophetic uh, Psalm uh, 22. Uh, that's David. Why, God, is this happening to me? Why, God, am I going through this? In the crying out to God that God begins to speak. Never underestimate the power of crying out to God. Cry out to God, and then thirdly, you do what he says. The Bible says, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and then the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. As Moses cried out to God, God said to him, you see the piece of wood, throw it into the water. And as he threw a piece of wood in the water, the water became fit to drink. Now. The wood could mean something else, and I'll come back to that in a second. But what, what I believe it speaks to us about is pray, cry out to God, and then do whatever he says. Do whatever he tells you to do. As you begin to pour your heart out to God, 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 will, God will speak to you about what you need to do next. God will give you a word about what you need to do in, in that situation. As you begin to cry out to God, as you begin to read your Bible, as you begin to seek after God and, Lord, I don't know what to do in this and in and, and, and this situation, Lord God, would you, would you help? God will speak to you. 
God speaks in so many different ways. In, in so, but if we're hungry for a word of God, we will hear God speak to us. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if it's God or not God. You, when it's God, you will know. That's, that's, that's why it's so important that we don't just come to God in our crisis, but we develop our relationship with God in the good times. So in the bad times, we've already tuned our ears to be able to hear his voice. It's the same with relationships. We don't just build relationships in the crisis. We build them in the good times so that when we're going through the crisis, we've got people we can go to to say, would you help me pray? God will give you a word about what you need to do in that situation. He may say, you need to forgive, apologize, speak to, speak to someone, this person, do nothing. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. As I said before, there are different kinds of wounds. And how you deal with each of them may be completely different. You know, if someone's defriended you on, on, on Instagram, you may hear a word from the Lord say something like, get over it. <laughs> get over it, sunshine. Uh, thus says the Lord. So you may hear something like that, you know. But if it's deeper... Then, then, then you hear God say, "It won't." God will tell you what to do next. Moses was at Marah. He cries out to God, and then God says, "Get a piece of wood and throw it in the water." Jesus said, "Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." The healing is in the obedience to the Word of God. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Lord, what I want is to know the truth. Because when, sometimes what happens as we go into the presence of God, we're saying, them, 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 them. And God may say, you need to change. <laughs> Search me, O oh God, know my heart, see if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way of life. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The healing is in the obedience. So throughout the Bible, you see this, throw your nets on the other side. Um, Get up and walk. Go wash yourself in the Jordan. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and the miracle is in the obedience. Next thing we notice from the text is that God has a solution for your healing prepared. Notice the Bible says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. And we're not exactly sure um, the Hebrew word there for, uh, for the wood can be translated into a tree, a piece of wood, or a stick. It can be translated different ways. What we do know is that the piece of wood was near the water and God uses that particular piece of wood. He said, throw it into the water and the water became uh, fit to drink. Well, here's the interesting part. This wood didn't just appear out of nowhere. The wood didn't just appear out of nowhere. It had been there all the time. It would have taken some years for the piece of wood to grow. The, the, piece, the piece of wood didn't just appear all of a sudden. It would have been there for many years. For a piece of wood to grow, it takes years. And depending on what it was exactly, it will determine how many years it was there for. They arrived at Mara and the water was bitter, but God had already, God had already prepared a solution for the bitter water. Years earlier, God was already preparing a solution for the situation. 
I want you to know that no matter what bitter situation you may be facing right now, God has a healing prepared for you. You may not be able to see how. You may not see a way through the situation, uh, but the answer could be right next to you. The answer could be right there for you. And as you begin to cry out to God, as you begin to pour out your heart to God, He will open your eyes so that you can see the solution that God has already prepared for you. There is a way through your pain and your resentment and your wound. The Bible says no temptation has seized you except what it, the word temptation, that's preached in Italian, the word temptation is not a temptation to sin. It's more the trial. No trial has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way through so that you can stand up under it. Whatever it is you've been through, whatever it is you're going through, there is an answer. And as you begin to cry out to God, God will open your eyes so that you can see how to deal with it. Text also tells us that the situation was a test for the people of Israel. Bitterness, I believe, is a test. The Bible says, there he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Listen carefully, every bitter situation in life is a test. We're going to take matters into our own hands, or will we trust God? And please, please, I want to be really be careful what I say here, because I, I, I appreciate that there's a whole range of bitter situations. And I'm not, I'm not and in some situations, the simple thing is just get over it. But in some others, they're a lot more difficult to deal with. And the answer is not as simple, just get over it. Some wounds are deep and entrenched and complex and difficult. And I, I want to respect that here today because I don't want to just preach a simplistic message here to someone. It's, it's some situations take time to deal with. But every bitter situation is a test to see how we're going to handle it. Paul says to the Ephesians, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It's not something you entertain. It's never the will of God for us to entertain bitterness. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. As you begin to cry out to God, God will give you the grace, the ability to do stuff that you cannot do by yourself to get through that. And God is watching. In terms of how we handle these situations, we can either respond with anger, react and getting even, or we can trust God and choose the path of healing, forgiveness. King James Version says, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters became sweet. There was another tree that brought healing to us. And that tree was the cross. Peter speaking of Jesus says, who himself bore our sins in his body, uh, in his own body on, a, on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. And by whose stripes you were healed. And the writer to the Hebrews says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Don't forget that grace has been shown to you. I believe that bitter situations can be a, te a test. And if we respond the right way, it'll lead to healing. It can bring us to a place of, of blessing. 
I like, I like what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. All of us want God to forgive us in Jesus' name. Amen? Yeah. All of the, all the people want us, everyone, we all want people to be understanding of the mistakes we make. But we don't, want to, we don't always want to pass that grace on to others. And when you get a, when you get a revelation of the reality that I, that I was a sinner and God saved me by his grace, I didn't deserve it, but I'm saved by the grace. When you get a revelation of that, it becomes easier to forgive those that have hurt you. When you understand the magnitude of the grace that has been shown to you, it becomes easier to forgive those that have hurt you. Because so often we can get into a situation where we think, well, what they said really hurt me. Because we've never said something that's hurt someone else, have we? No, especially if you attend Life Christian Center, you should be we're amazing. Reality is, not only do people hurt us, there are times when we hurt as well. Can I hear an amen? Mm, that's a big, too loud, that one. Um, we do hurt. When you get a revelation of that, it makes it easier to understand, hey, maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know, things. There's, there was this, there's this thing in psychology that, that you know, when, I remember when, when, when someone slips on a banana peel, you know, we'll say, but look at them, they're just, you know, they're so clumsy. Couldn't they see where they're going? You know, they, we tend to blame others for character issues. When we slip on that same banana peel, we say, well, the lights were, were, were dim. You know, I couldn't see where I was going, et cetera. It's the way we deal with people. Um, the reality is, at times, people will say stuff to us, and at times, we will, we will to others. But when you understand and get a revelation that God has forgiven you, it becomes easier to forgive other people. You know, there's the only phrase in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, which is conditional, is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then in case you misunderstood it, keep reading the text. Jesus says, for in the same way that you forgive, you shall be forgiven. That's a heavy scripture there. I believe the greatest, the greatest kind of um, attitude and, and, and heart that we can is a forgiving spirit, an understanding spirit, which is what Paul says to the Ephesians. Guys, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That doesn't mean we sweep things under the carpet. That's not what the scripture is saying. We address issues, but we deal with them with the right spirit. Then we notice from the text that God gives them a promise. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring you, on you any of these diseases I brought on the Egyptians. And I just love this phrase, for I am the Lord that heals you. And it's not just physical healing, it's also emotional healing and spiritual healing. God says, if you obey me, observe my commands, seek after me. If you live by my principles, I'll protect you and watch over you and I will heal you. And how many people know that bitterness and wounds not only affect us emotionally, but they can also affect us physically as well. And I love God says, I'm the Lord that heals you. Sometimes, um, some, sometimes we need to pray, Lord, how do I handle this situation? Um, but we never have to pray something, Lord, do I need to forgive them or not forgive them, Lord? Lord, I'm just really bleeding for a word. 
should I forgive them or not forgive them? Now, you don't need a word about that. The Bible already tells us what we need to do. It's the outworking of that that we need to get some guidance on. And remember this, forgiveness, forgiveness is first and foremost between you and God. I choose to forgive by the grace of God for what they did, for what they've done. Reconciliation is not the same as forgiveness. Reconciliation is the next step, but requires two people to reconcile. Um, and there are some situations, and I've got time to go into all of this, another sermon, but there are some situations where reconciliation is not recommended. And again, it's in the presence of God where God will, will give you clarity about how to deal with that situation. Number seven, then, then notice what happens next. The Bible says, then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped there near the water. Notice God, God takes them from Mara and he brings them to Elim. The interesting thing is this for me, but the distance between Mara and Elim, some say was about maybe seven or eight kilometers. I mean, it wasn't like 300 kilometers at that. It was, it was within, within six or seven kilometers. Elim uh, was a place of refreshing. God's intent was to bring them to Elim, but they first needed to deal with Mara. They had to first deal with the bitter waters. And once they did that, God then takes them to Elim. God wants to take you and me to Elim, a place of refreshing that isn't far from Mara. You can't get there until we deal with, with, uh, with Mara. The Bible also says there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Um, it, you know, you, you can't just overlook that. Someone counted them and says there were 12 and 70. Um, and the question for me then is why? Why 12 and why 70? Um, now, this is a bonus for the sermon today. It's pure speculation, all right? So you, you forgive me. If you don't agree, I'll, I'll accept that it's fine. But it's, it's a bonus this morning you're going to get, right? So what, what's the 12 and what's the 70? Well, the moment I read 12 and 70, there's some thoughts came straight into my mind. Uh, so here's, here's my interpretation. You might have a different one. God bless you. Um, all the best. Uh, we, live in a we live in a world that is filled with bitterness and wounds and hurts. We live in a world that is, has money, education, has stuff. You know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. We were just in Europe and just the whole, I mean, we were in Rome going through the shop the marketing machine that is out there to convince you you need this because this is going to, it was like, it was, it was, it was like a gluttony of just stuff. And I thought, this is terrible. You know, uh, we, we live in a world that has everything. Um, but what we don't know how to deal with is stuff like bitterness and wounds and hurts and relationships. And God has a plan to bring healing and freedom. And how's he going to do that? You know, what's the way? God, God, God knows that the world is filled with bitterness and wounds in it, and he's got a plan. How's he going to deal with this? Well, the first thing he did is he sent Jesus who caused the 12 disciples. Listen to this carefully. Luke chapter 9, it says, Then he called his 12 disciples together. Um, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power. Listen carefully. He gave them power, and he gave them authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The Bible then says in Luke 10, that's chapter 9, then in chapter 10, and after those things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two uh, before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
It's the same thing. I'm the God that heals you. And God says to the 12, he's released them. He gave them power and authority to be ministers of healing. What kind of healing do we need? Do we need physical healing? By the grace of God, we need, we need, we need physical healing. The Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. He hung on the tree so that we could be healed. And he sends them out to minister healing, not only physical healing, but also emotional healing, the bitterness, the wounds. And then he, and then he sends out the next, the next group, which is the 70. And he says, go and do the same. Be ministers of healing. And I believe that the disciples, the 70, is a call to you and me. God calls us to, as the people of God to help people, to minister healing to people, to help people deal with Mara in their life, the place of Mara, so that God can bring them to a place of healing, a place of refreshing and healing. I wonder, is there someone for whom bitterness has taken root in your heart? Do you notice poison coming out of your mouth sometimes? Do you notice stuff comes out of your mouth and you go, what the, what, what was that? <laughs> Is there someone or some situation that you're bitter towards? I want you to know that God loves you. And he wants to set you free. If you're struggling with bitterness, I want to encourage you. Just pour your heart out to God. Seek the face of God. As you seek the face of God, He's going to begin to speak. Do you hear the word of the Lord? Just obey. Do what is right. Seek to forgive. There's a plan for your healing ready. Maybe you can't see the plan. Pastor Joe, I've tried, seen someone, thought, still, saw there. Yuck, every now and then it just explodes. God has a plan for your healing. He was, he's been preparing it already. Way before you got here, he's already prepared a healing for you. As you see God, he's going to open your eyes so you can see what to do. He wants to minister healing to you. He wants to bring you to Elam, a place of refreshing and blessing by his grace and for his glory. Now hear an amen. 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 Father, we know that the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. And for many from an early age, he's planted seeds of bitterness deep in our spirit and they've taken root and they've become a stronghold in our lives and in our hearts a wound a hurt, bitterness I just thank you Lord that you came to set us free Lord I just pray that by your spirit you would minister across this congregation those that are standing, Lord, I just thank you for their um, faith, the sense of obedience. Let this be the first step, Lord God, to them experiencing freedom. We recognize it's only by your grace and for your glory, Lord God. I just pray for others that know they should be standing, but they're struggling. Lord, I pray they'll bring that struggle into your presence. Because we're not going to let the, the devil have his way. That what the enemy has meant for harm, you're going to use for good, for your glory. 
and that you're going to lead us through that place of bitterness, bring us into a place of refreshing and peace, a place of healing. And in that place of healing, Lord God, you're going to send us into a world so that we can minister that same healing to others. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, let's all stand together. Father, I just thank you for this congregation. Thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that as we reflect and digest and, 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 and you know, think more deeply, maybe go back to the text, read it and reread it, hear the message a couple more times. Lord God, I pray that our eyes would be open to see those around us who may be bitter, hurt, hurting and wounded, Lord God. And I pray that you would give us the grace to be ministers of healing, Lord God. Let us be your hands and feet. Let us be your eyes, Lord God, to see. Let us be your heart to feel the pain that so many people around us have, uh, uh, are experiencing, Lord. And above all else, let us be ministers of grace, we pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You're an amazing congregation today. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.